In the last two videos, we've dealt with utility functions and correlation and risk reduction. In this video, we're going to put those two concepts together to look at portfolio theory. Today we're going to focus on just the intuition behind portfolio theory, but later in the semester we will deal with the mechanics of portfolio theory and how portfolio theory can be applied in the real world. Let's consider the investor's problem. All investors are trying to maximise their expected utility. And we know that expected utility takes the form of the expected returns on the portfolio minus lambda, which is our measure of risk aversion, multiplied by the variance of our portfolio. So all investors are trying to maximise expected utility, but they face a very difficult problem. Which stocks should you invest in? How much should you invest in each stock? You've got to think about the correlations across the stocks and the impact that this has on portfolio risk. Harry Markowitz was the first person to solve the investor's problem and the solution was published in the Journal of Finance in 1952. To solve the problem, Markowitz had to make several assumptions. First of all, investors are risk averse. They like expected returns, but they dislike risk, where risk is measured by variance. Effectively, Markowitz was assuming a utility function similar to the one we've looked at before. Investors like expected returns, but they dislike risk. The second assumption was that all investors have the same estimates of expected returns, variances and correlations. In economics, the term we use for this is homogeneous expectations. The final assumption was that of perfect markets. In a perfect market, investors can borrow and lend as much as they want at the riskless interest rate. In addition, there are no transaction costs and investors can buy or sell as much as they want. But individual trades do not affect the prices. Now you may think that these assumptions are not very realistic, and that's true. But that doesn't mean that the model is useless. In fact, the model has many important insights that practitioners use every day. In the US, there are thousands of risky investment opportunities. And what Markowitz noticed was that every possible combination of assets can be plotted in risk-return space. That's what you see in the diagram below. The collection of all these combinations of risky assets is called the feasible set. Each of these crosses or X's denotes a portfolio of assets and its expected returns and its expected risk. The curve or parabola on this diagram represents the edge of the feasible set. All different combinations are contained on or within this curve. 
Where is the lowest risk portfolio then in the feasible set? Risk is being reduced as we move to the left of the diagram. It reaches its minimum point right here. And in finance, we call this minimum risk point, we call it the minimum variance portfolio. So far, it doesn't look like Markowitz has done anything that's particularly clever. He's recognized that you can plot all the combinations of assets in terms of their expected returns and risk on a diagram. And he's shown where the minimum variance portfolio is. The next insight was about efficient portfolios. An efficient portfolio has the maximum expected return for any given risk level. Alternatively, an efficient portfolio has the lowest risk for any given level of expected return. And the combination of all efficient portfolios is called the efficient frontier. Now it's much easier to understand what efficient portfolios are by looking at the following diagram. Suppose we want to invest in a portfolio that has a risk of 15%. We're going to choose to invest somewhere along this dotted line. The question is, where is the efficient portfolio? Could the efficient portfolio be here? Well, the answer is no, because we could move up this line to the edge of the feasible set here, and we could earn higher expected returns. We can't go above the edge of the feasible set because there are no stocks up there. There are no risk and return combinations there. That means the highest expected return we can earn for a given level of risk is at the edge of the feasible set. We could do this for any risk level and we'd get the same result. Consider 5% level of risk. Where is the efficient portfolio? The efficient portfolio is once again at the edge of the feasible set. Where's the efficient frontier then? The efficient frontier is going to run from the minimum variance portfolio. It's going to run along the edge of the feasible set. Is this point here an efficient portfolio? It's on the edge of the feasible set. It isn't, because if we want this level of risk, maybe that's 4%, we could invest in this portfolio, but look, we could also invest on the edge of the feasible set higher up, and we'd earn higher expected returns. So this portfolio is not an efficient portfolio. Why is this concept of efficiency so important? Well, what would you do if you were a risk-averse investor? What type of portfolio would you want to invest in? You like expected returns, but you dislike risk. And an efficient portfolio is one in which you maximize the expected return for any given risk level. So any risk-averse investor is going to want to hold an efficient portfolio because it's going to help them maximize their expected utility. 
Now suppose we add in a riskless asset. And the riskless asset has a return of RF. You're an investor and you can invest in any combination of risky assets and the riskless asset. Which portfolio of risky assets would you choose to invest in? First of all, we know that we're going to be choosing a portfolio that is on the efficient frontier. And here I've traced out the efficient frontier. The question now is where would we invest on the efficient frontier? How about here? Portfolio P. We could invest in combinations of T-bills and this risky portfolio P. And depending on how much we invest in T-bills versus the risky portfolio, we would be investing somewhere along the dashed line. Is this the best we can do? Well, this was Markowitz's question. And the key insight that Markowitz had is that you need to look at the slope of the line that connects the risk-free rate to the expected return on portfolio P. The slope of the line denotes the expected return for taking an additional unit of risk. As we're risk-averse investors, we'd like to maximize the expected return that we get for taking a unit of risk. In other words, we want to maximize the slope of this line. The way we can do this is to find the portfolio where the line that connects the risk-free rate to the portfolio just touches the efficient frontier at this point. And we'll label this portfolio M. If we invest in a combination of T-bills and portfolio M, we are going to maximize our expected utility. Because for every unit of risk we take, we get the highest expected return possible. So this is really neat. Markovitch showed that all investors, regardless of their risk aversion, would calculate the same optimal portfolio because that optimal portfolio maximizes the reward to risk ratio that you can see in this diagram. Now how would you invest in this world? How would you, what would you invest in? Suppose you have high risk aversion. That means you'd want to invest in a low risk portfolio. Suppose the portfolio risk you want is 2%. What would you do? Well, you would invest in a combination of the optimal portfolio M and the T-bills. Now suppose you have very low risk aversion and so you want to take on more risk. Maybe you want to have risk levels of 20% because you've just graduated from university, you're young and you've got a bit of cash from your job and you thought you'd invest it in a portfolio. So you want to take on some risk. You'd want to hold this portfolio, which I'll label Q. Is it possible to hold portfolio Q? That's a good question. When we had low risk, we know that we invested some money in T-bills and some money in the optimal portfolio, M. Instead, if we invested all our money 
in the optimal portfolio, we'd be here with a risk level of, say, 10%. But in fact, this investor is higher up. He's at point Q. How did the investor get there? Well, this is where one of the assumptions from Markowitz comes in. Markowitz assumed that all investors could borrow or lend at the risk-free rate. To obtain Portfolio Q, what the investor would have to do is borrow money at the risk-free rate and invest all that money in the optimal portfolio M. In other words, that investor would lever up or trade on margin. That would mean he'd earn higher expected returns. That's how we could achieve this portfolio Q. Adding the riskless asset to this problem really does help fund managers every day. Why is that? Well, the choice of the optimal portfolio is independent of investor preferences. Regardless of your risk aversion level, all investors will find that M is the optimal portfolio because it maximizes the reward to risk ratio. And why is this good for investment managers? Well, consider the investment managers problem. For every investor that they have, they have to find out what that investor likes and dislikes, which is very complicated and takes up a lot of time. But with two fund separation, it becomes much simpler. We know that all investors will invest in some combination of T-bills and the optimal portfolio. All the fund manager has to do now is first identify the optimal portfolio and then work out the level of risk aversion of each of his or her investors. And when you go into a bank and say you'd like to invest in a mutual fund, the bank will get you to see a financial advisor. And that financial advisor will normally ask you a series of questions that's trying to assess your risk tolerance. Recall, in a video lecture, we talked about a gamble in which if you flip a coin and it comes up heads, you get $10,000, and if it comes up tails, you lose $10,000. They might ask you a similar question and say, how much would you have to win in order to take this gamble? They're trying to get at your risk preferences. Once they know your level of risk aversion, they can decide how much of your money should be allocated to T-bills and how much should be allocated to the optimal portfolio, M. Markowitz's theory provided a big boost to mutual funds. Previously, lots of investors invested on their own because people thought that different investors had different preferences and so they would invest in different types of stocks. Markowitz's work said that wasn't the case and that all investors want to invest in some combination of the optimal portfolio and T-bills. And so the mutual fund industry, as a result, grew rapidly and individual investors invested much less on their own. The other thing to notice about two fund separation 
is that we now have a linear relationship between expected returns and risk. This linear relationship is often referred to as the capital market line. So Markowitz had two key insights that revolutionized finance. First of all, all investors will hold some combination of the riskless asset and the optimal portfolio M. And second, there is a linear relation between expected portfolio returns and risk when there is a risk-free asset in the economy. And this linear relation is given by the capital market line. But it's important to remember that there is not going to be a linear relation between expected returns and risk if there is no risk-free asset in the economy because the efficient frontier is not linear. That's all I want to cover in this lecture. See you in class.